0: I can generate income outside of a corporate thing. So I can take on clients. I can take on clients for healing. I can take on clients as a tenant advocate and people will pay me for this work. And in fact, if the more I ask for, the more they will pay me. Value yourself, value your time. And I really liked the extra income that I was bringing in, but I also really liked the feeling of generating income of my
1: own accord. Welcome to the She Leads Business Show, where I shine the spotlight on female owners of growing small and medium-sized businesses. You're in the right place if you want to ditch the stress and firefighting, stop working too many hours, despite having team members, and never compete on price again. I'm Una Doyle, founder of CreativeFlow.tv. I'm a speaker, business strategist, and impact coach. Business owners hire me to help them to build a business they could sell tomorrow but they probably don't want to because it's highly profitable, it's fun to run because they and their team are in creative flow and they get to make a bigger impact on the world. In every episode, myself and my guests share the strategies, stories and wisdom to help you to achieve this too. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome to She Leads Business. Today, I am super excited to be interviewing Angel Lateral from Lateral Law. And I can help with that. Angel, welcome. Hi, thank you. Glad to be here, Una. Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you have a very unique approach to the way that you do business. But before we get into that, I'd love to know more about angel the person. And how did you get to end up prayer you are today?
0: So I grew up, I jokingly say, in a land colder than Siberia, because it's true. Duluth, Minnesota, uh, which is right on the tip of Lake Superior in the Midwest of the United States. It's a beautiful place. I was always surrounded by this big, fresh water. My grandparents actually had three acres of land in the city that they farmed themselves. And my family, we were hunter-gatherers. I grew up Always looking at the big water, helping my grandmother in the garden, helping my mother in her garden, and while well, actually wanting to leave Duluth because it was small, <laughs> there's something bigger and better out there. I come from a background of people that worked really hard, but they worked for other people. So the idea of actually being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is extremely foreign. I'm a, I'm first-generation entrepreneur uh, in my family. It was really scary for my parents actually to see me taking this road because they're like, wow, like, and it wasn't a doubt in my abilities, but it was just a doubt in how do you know, like, where's the paycheck going to come from, right? And having it to be generated by me. I actually did a lot of personal development work from the time of starting at 18. I actually became a Buddhist and started meditating. And that was the beginning of my personal development journey as I went into college and grew It's 22 years later from me starting my Buddhist practice and also finding the healing practices that I do through the lineage of King Solomon that are all personal development work to get to the point where I could launch my own business. And I know that's actually in my heart of hearts, what I was always meant to do because it never fit in well in corporate structures (laughs) because I wanted to innovate and I wanted to push the envelope, so to speak. And I also really don't like people telling me exactly what to do. I take feedback really well, but don't tell me to do things in a way that's not effective, uh, just because that's the way we've always done
1: it. Yes, I I can imagine a lot of people in corporates not taking too kindly to that kind of response.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I've always been a really outside of the box person. I went to Catholic school as a little girl, then went to high school, but I've always had this artistic flair. Actually, for like three years of my life as a teenager, I wore one color Just the single, the color blue, and so and down to my makeup and everything, I was just very consistent with my attachment to the color blue. Uh, I also found it very calming. But it was me living outwardsly in artistic life, both as a poet, as an artist. But then, interestingly enough, pursuing in college, I studied philosophy and classics, which are very traditional liberal arts things. And at the same time, everyone's like, "Well, what are you going to do with a philosophy degree?" But my advisor in college, bless his heart, was like. Let's look at all the people that are CEOs in the world, Angel, and they actually have degrees in philosophy. Like they're going to be, they're the thinkers, they're the leaders, they're the, the analytical people that actually put things together and develop new and innovative things. Like these econ majors, where are they going to be in 10 years? And you're so right. A skill set to be able to be a visionary, to think logically, to think analytically, but also think creatively to be able to develop uh, my business and, and, and innovate ways to approach. have a very non-traditional business. Being a lawyer is a very kind of traditional career role, but I don't do it in an old school traditional mentality by any means.
1: Well, exactly. And that's that's one of the reasons why we're here today. (laughs) So I'd love to know a bit more about like what do you do in your spare time?
0: I was just told by a friend that I have five jobs. And I was like, oh, I have three different businesses, three different careers. She's like, actually, I just counted five. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, so spare time is kind of a, is a funny thing because I'm constantly finding another way to grow and develop. So in some ways, my spare time is I enjoy meditating. I enjoy pursuing things that are personal development or growth, new ways of being. Like so last year for spare time, I, I actually did a meditation journey building from two hours a day all the way up to 10 hours a day over a three month period. Wow, And in that period, because I was a sensory deprivation journey, you could do personal development work and you could do your job, job uh, kind of thing. I delved into the world of astrology, learning its history, learning the how-to, and then applying that to my life. And I also work with tarot cards and uh, runes and study how to not only be a better reader, but just to work with them as a communication mechanism to my own intuition. Essentially, that's what I do in my downtime.
1: And I'm curious what the the five businesses that your friend identified, because I know of two. So what are the other three?
0: Yeah. So I work as a consultant project manager for a company called Message Lab LLC. And I work for the University of Washington as a professor of project management. And then I am the president of a nonprofit uh, called the Institute of Awakened Mastery, which is more volunteer work, but it's still a job because managing a nonprofit is, yeah, it's it's not nothing.
1: (laughs) Gotcha. All right. Well, I mean, that sounds quite in alignment with certainly one of your businesses. I can see that. I, I think there are times when having a contract bread and butter role can be very helpful to provide some stability from a financial point of view, can't it? Oh, absolutely.
0: It has been helpful to have the role that I have with MessageLab because I can count on that I have that income every month, even if my with my other areas. And it's given me the actually the freedom, maybe the security to experiment. I can say this is what is consistently coming in. And so let me experiment in these other areas and take maybe some risks that aren't going to necessarily automatically amount in new clients or or not but then I have that security of okay just part-time it is at least it is a consistent security blanket that I can depend on giving me that freedom to experiment in other areas
1: absolutely so you you did your philosophy degree you then studied law Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I went right from college to law school and while in law school I actually worked (laughs) two jobs and actually practice being a stepmom for a brief period of time, but that's a, that's a whole nother life. Well, that's life a third job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, I was a law clerk and I worked in market market research while in law school to put myself through law school. And then after law school, I thought the law clerk job would actually turn into me being a full-time employee for that arbitration firm that I was working for. But they actually told me after I took the bar that I could no longer work there as a law clerk which was a little shocking because I was like, what? I'm like an ideal employee. What's going on? So I had to quickly pivot. I actually took a job as a canvasser for Clean Water Action of Minnesota and became a canvas manager doing political action for the environment while looking for a job as a lawyer. And so then I, I eventually found a job as a lawyer in a, in a plaintiff class action law firm, which I did for a couple of years. And then I moved to a regional law firm. I moved back to Duluth, Minnesota, even though I said I never would. And I took this job in this very traditional old school law firm there where I worked for just a year before we all agreed that we weren't working out together. (laughs) I didn't have any savings coming from law school. I was like, well, how do I change... Like I can't go out on my own. I like, I don't have another job somewhere else, but I do want to definitely change locations. I'm not happy here. I want to launch somewhere else. So we we, we came to a not a settlement agreement, but like they are just like, here's a bunch of money, don't come back to work. And I was like, sweet, now I can just move to <laughs> the west coast and uh, start over. And that's actually when I fell into a corporate job, not as a lawyer, but as an alternative legal career and where I learned, and received all of the training as a project manager that I now apply to my business and um, coaching and consulting side of things that Lateral Law does. So,
1: okay, interesting. When you were making that new start, what did that feel like? It was exhilarating and scary all at the same
0: time because so I moved from Minnesota to Washington State without any job prospects out on the West Coast. I was just like, I had. I had the money from my uh, severance package. I had a wee bit of savings, but not a lot. I shipped some of my life out here and then I put the rest in the car and I drove out here and rented a room from a friend I had made just briefly. For the first two months, I just kind of breathed and tried to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was applying to law firms and interviewing and making it to to the last round of interviews for these positions. And realizing that when the idea of working in a law firm again just made my heart just sink, like my soul was screaming, you're going to die. <laughs> this is not what you want to do. And so I I just was like, okay, I'll just start temping. And but I tried on things. I, I worked for different independent law firms. It was a legal temping just it you know, I I law clerked places, I I front desk like places, like which I'm like, oh receptionist, that's hard work and so underpaid, <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm going to be a receptionist because I want to learn how this law firm works and the front end of running something. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And I learned, always appreciate your receptionist. That is such hard work. Like, but I definitely don't want to do that. And it definitely actually doesn't tell you how a law firm works, <laughs> but it was a lesson. <laughs> wasn't bored but the other thing culturally coming from minnesota minnesotans don't really leave without a plan you you kind of you stay there even if you're miserable and so i was a unique person in that i was just willing to go w- why not try a new place on so i enjoyed the the adventure of, of coming out to a new place and the part of me that like security had me moving into temping and experimenting Really quickly, which is what actually had me fall into what they call the accidental profession of project management. One of my temp jobs is a it was a it was a legal review. I was it was just it was so boring, and I was just reviewing document after document for some environmental litigation and i kept taking breaks because it was so boring you could literally fall asleep and they got mad at me cuz i kept taking breaks even though i was like trying to literally stay awake so my my temp employer calls me one morning he's like don't go back to so and sos and i was like oh okay he's like but it's a good thing there's a this opening at the local children's hospital for an alternative legal gig it's an all day interview so get it together and off you go for the for the interview i was like an all day interview for a temp job they're like well it's a temp to hire so I'm like okay. So I just show up and I do this round robin of interviews. And at the end of the day, they don't hire me for the regulatory analyst position that it was. They hire me to be the project manager for a bioethics conference because of my background in philosophy and being a lawyer and having all of this event planning experience that I had done as volunteer work for my Buddhist organization, never thought of as a set of skills I just thought I could be a lawyer. I didn't realize I had this whole other skill set. Hiring manager did realize I had a skill set. And she's like, do you want to start tomorrow as this job? And I was like, sure, sounds like fun. Like, <laughs> Does it pay the same as the lawyer job? And she's like,
1: yes. I'm
0: like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> so i
1: So I just want to pause you there because I love what you said, that everything that you had done kind of brought you beautifully to that moment.
0: Right. Including getting fired from a temp job because I wasn't doing it right.
1: (laughs) Gotta love that divine timing, haven't you? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Fantastic. So how did you get from there to having your own law business?
0: When I entered corporate as as a project manager, I didn't think I was going to put law behind me. But I was like, "Well, it's it's time for a break because yeah, divine timing has said working in a law firm is not for you. So try this out, grow grow in your life." And I thought I was just going to do it for one or two years, and then about fifteen years go by. But in that process of that fifteen years, having that pretty sweet corporate job, which was giving me tons of training in in lots of areas of. Project management and people management and front of the room facilitation management and eventually put me on institutional review boards. So I was going back to being a lawyer, but in relation to human subjects research, with making sure things were ethical for for cancer research and kiddos. Essentially, like like how do we cure cancer and kids? How do we cure all these other diseases? And like I just I felt really good being a lawyer in that context, like having that that ethical thing, and then. I also had the space and time and they allowed me to volunteer as an attorney with the housing justice project here in Seattle. And so I was being a lawyer, but in a volunteer capacity and really helping people move forward in their lives. And I became an expert in landlord tenant law and tenant advocacy. And so about year, let's say 11 or 12, while I'm working in corporate, I start to get bored like because that's what I do. (laughs) I've always wanted to grow and expand. And so I start taking on, not I've been doing personal development work, studying the Kabbalah and really advancing in that and as an energy healer and other things as well. And so these are all kind of happening at the same time. And I'm learning, oh, I can generate income outside of a corporate thing. So I can take on clients. I can take on clients for healing. I can take on clients as a tenant advocate, and people will pay me for this work. And in fact, if the more I ask for, the more they will pay me value yourself, value your time. And I really liked the extra income that I was bringing in, but I also really liked the feeling of generating income of my own accord. And so I started just taking on more clients and doing more things. So next thing you know, I've got two side gigs going, one as a healer, energy healer, and one as a lawyer doing uh, landlord-tenant law, and then a full-time as project manager. And then I actually took on the side gig of teaching for the University of Washington in the evenings as a project management professor, because I realized I like teaching project management way more than I like doing it. <laughs> and and as I'm kind of realizing the doing of project management's gotten old for me then I start leaning more into my side work which and being realizing what if this wasn't my side work what if what if I put my energy full time into these businesses and you know over a period of three years, I finally got to a place where I was looking at my annual taxes and being like, wow, like I made quite a bit of money on the side last year with these. What if I had full-time my energy as an entrepreneur to put into that? The the part of me that was just clinging in fear to the paycheck being sent to me, no matter what, was like, no, no, no. They've been hanging this carrot of this promotion in front of me for a couple of years and me being the worker that I am. I was like, I want that because I, I just, I still think of, I I like the reward. I'm very achievement motivated. Like, so there was this carrot, so I had to work for it. And also, but meanwhile, I'm actually bored and don't want to be doing this anymore. And not really happy, but the disconnect wasn't hitting me. I literally, the universe had to hit me over the head with like a two by four, (laughs) To say, and it was actually when my boss told me, Nope, we're not going to promote you because you don't appear committed to working here for this company. And I was just like, What? That wasn't the case at all. That was her judgment and jealousy of me, and also the certain aspects of me. But it was also the universe giving me a sign that I could not ignore that this was a waste of my time being in corporate. And so my response to her was, Well, what it actually appears like is this company is not committed to me. So I quit. And I launched my business a month later, full time. Okay. And haven't looked back since. (laughs) Because I was able to just go and launch it. I was doing that much. And I've never had a problem getting clients in the door either. So that fear that I wasn't going to be able to attract business was my negative ego keeping me stuck. Right? So.
1: Exactly. Very interesting. Since we first spoke, I shared some resources with you. I'd love to talk about the flow side of it What were your thoughts when you going through that because it's very interesting hearing your journey and where you look to be in flow and out of flow
0: One, I really like the chart about the different energies that people put out there and, and use from and I was like hmm where do I fall on that chart and I felt like I was a mix of a number of them but the specifically with flow, all of the philosophy both both my Buddhist practice and my training as a spiritual guide, the idea of service for self and others. And actually when we're in service, hundred percent to others is when we get the most benefit in our lives that we flow abundance, we flow uh, manifestation energy. And so when I heard in your video to talk about like, you really actually have to be helping others get in flow to be in flow yourself. I was like, Oh, that makes total sense. Like that's the same energy of service to others. The real kicker was the bundling of the different activities and being like how that can really make you really tired if you're like switching uh, context all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And because I do that all the time. I am such a context shifter. And I have recently been having the blessing of being abundantly busy because I've got the good problem to have of all of a sudden more clients than I can handle. I have multiple businesses, right? Shift, 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 shift is happening constantly. I'm getting exhausted. Even though I'm time blocking, I don't honor that all the time. And I'm definitely not time bundling, like in the sense of bundling similar tasks together. Right. I'm just context shifting and multitasking. So, for some reason, it works for me, but it doesn't, it's not as a sustainability for long term flow. It's not sustainable. I'm going to wear myself and burn myself out uh, at this rate. So, I have to both learn to delegate those things which I do not like to do and start bundling the things I do like to do in. In areas and honoring my time blocking to really get into that state of flow. I feel like all of the work I do is about helping other people be in flow and abundance. Like, so,
1: so that aspect of like, if I can get it together on my end, I'm going to be, I'm going to find a lot of flow. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I want to share with people is just this idea of you think of a river flowing down the mountain. What keeps that river contained is the river banks. And so we have to create our own riverbanks within our business and that structure, okay? So without the structure, then the riverbanks overflow and that's where people get overwhelmed, exhausted. And and sometimes they don't necessarily feel overwhelmed because they're enjoying what they're doing or at least a good chunk of what they're doing. So they are having fun, but it's that sustainability piece. Like how long can you keep doing that? So I just want to explain as well what we mean by context switching. So a great way to understand that is if if you think about, again, coming back to water, if you think about steam, like to get from ice to steam, the ice first has to become water and then the water has to boil and then it transforms into steam. And if you think about it, people often say, oh, yeah, I'm steaming ahead. (laughs) And so when you're in that steaming ahead, really in flow, in the zone, mode. And then like people often talk about it in terms of interruptions, but yet yet we can interrupt ourselves. You then go from steam to water, to ice, to water, to boiling water, to steam. And that's what is the context switching. So our brain has to switch gears and stop thinking about one thing and get into the right mode to think about something else. And so with the... the the energies or fuels that we're talking about around the ignition compass, which is the personality profiling tool that I use. People talk about context switching as working on project A and project B, yet actually you can work on a type of task in one project and the same type of task in another project, and you don't get that same context switching effect because you're using the same kind of thinking same kind of actions. And that's what Angel was talking about in terms of the bundling of tasks. So it's not just time blocking where you set aside time to do particular things in your role, in your business. So I call it a weekly flow framework where you're structuring your week around the different tasks and activities where you're putting similar things together. And that's very powerful as well because it actually helps you see How much time are you spending on different aspects of your business? Where is the thing that you're not spending the time on? And lo and behold, does that happen to be a weakness in your business? Whether it's someone isn't spending time on their finances or they're not spending time on their marketing and sales, or maybe they're not spending enough time on their systems and processes, having those things run more smoothly. So it's really interesting when you put that structure in place, what a difference that can make. And it's interesting, Angel, because so for a while, for a few years, actually, I was an actor and I was running this coaching business. So I had two businesses, so to speak. So kind of self-employed as an actor where I was doing training. I was doing a lot of stuff to kind of build up my experience. I was getting some small bits of paid work and things as well. And then I was doing my coaching business. And it's, it's actually, it is very challenging to divide yourself into multiple parts and at the same time those of us who are more creative and or who are more extroverted we we like well particularly for those who are extroverted we love variety and sometimes that love of variety can send us down a path where we perhaps have too many different things going on (laughs) and for those of us who are more creative we often, we love new, we love the novel, we love, like you've mentioned a few times about being innovative, right? So you love to innovate. And so for me, you probably, you definitely have got some of that nova fuel, innovation, innovation energy. And I'll I'll make sure that we put, uh, if you go look at the show notes on the website, I'll make sure we put an image of this in or a link to the image so you can see what we're talking about. And it's, and there definitely was, there, there was that time for me to do that okay, that I needed to follow that path, which for me was a childhood dream of acting until the point where I actually woke up one day and was like, I, I kind of, I'm more excited by my business and I've not been doing anything on my acting career. And so I realized, I just kind of went, oh, okay, actually, no, that's over for me now. And so that's allowed me to focus in. Uh, now, obviously, I have other things going on in my life. <laughs> and other ways of being creative and kind of utilizing that. And then that feeds back into my business as well. So I have a question for you. Do you feel you're spreading yourself too thin? (laughs) Absolutely, (laughs) actually. And it's not surprising (laughs) hearing everything that you've been talking about doing. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I actually feel it. Like I am starting to be exhausted. And I'm going to start dropping balls and I'm going to start losing things. I'm going to stop enjoying the work and, and lose momentum. For me, I need to find a way to focus myself and really clear clarify where's the best places to spend my time. And then where can I delegate
1: tasks that I uh, shouldn't be doing anymore because it's not serving me. And, and it's interesting. And I, do, I think it is important to make the distinction between business and kind of hobbies, volunteer work, those are the things that allow you to to switch off, um, that allow us to mm-hmm. be more creative and innovative. Because we, ha- if we don't have downtime, then we can't create. We can't be innovative. And actually, it can really stop the flow of our intuition as well. So we have to have that That's downtime. Right. We have to have time when we do switch contexts out of work and business into something else. So bearing that in mind, you know, how do you feel about the thought of actually making the choice to have less, n- not just to have, because what I'm hearing from you is I still want to do all of these things, but I'm going to delegate some of the little bits rather than mm-hmm. I'm actually going to focus on fewer things?
0: Right. And the focusing on fewer things is the part that I'm not able to yet wrap my head around choosing because they they were all built as very important things to me that I enjoy doing however now I'm reaching call it a boiling point I'm at a precipice of something has to give or or I ask the question does it do do I just change how I do and what I'm doing because I've at a point where business that I have been doing a lot of things still in my law office as a true solo practitioner that I don't have to do. myself. Uh, If I was to hire someone that I trusted to do some of the front end and admin and all of the things like that would alleviate a lot of work that's on the law office. So I could focus in the law office, the part I love the most, which is enrolling clients, but I don't actually have to do all of the pieces that make that happen. I can, I can be in that role of, of yes, I'm holding the space for creating this abundance for you. Let's, you let's, Let's get you on that path. Yeah, be the leader as opposed to the actual doer of all the things. But right now, I'm the doer of all the things, with the exception of the 10 hours a week that my virtual assistant does. And she has mastered her role. And I know adding time to her isn't the answer because we have like what she can do as a virtual assistant is limited. Like, I literally physically need someone now on the ground to do things with papers and stuff (laughs) and to mail the things and to do some more of the in-person client service level materials and, and such. So that much is clear with the law office. And in the other areas, I do want to step back from managing the nonprofit, but I'm still benefiting from the nonprofit existing for my other practice. And there really isn't a person I can delegate the role to because I'm the only lawyer in the group, and someone has to hold hold that. And so that's a place where I'm currently meditating on what is the answer to this place of, of of my energy use to to figure out how to to step back, do less, but still keep that together in a way as a resource that I I need and want. And <laughs> so. how
1: much time and energy does it take a week? to do that role
0: that depends on what's going on with the group right now and it's been a little intense recently because we've been experimenting with some front end introductory events to try to bring in more people to experience what light and healing can be brought by going into like energy healing and exploring personal development from a metaphysical Way and finding a way to bring joy into their lives that way. People out there are really hurting in today's society. It's it's a fear-based mental illness is on an all-time high. So people need this work and need an outlet to be like, oh, I can be empowered and I can be healthy in my life. And there there are alternatives to medications or or things that will support me even if I do get on medication. Sometimes energy healing helps people realize I need this thing. Like you know, (laughs) I'm going to actually do this for myself. Because there's a need, we've been trying to work together as a group to do more front end things. And that is been, it's a labor of love, <laughs> but it's its a labor working in a group. It would honestly be easier if I just focused on my business myself and reaching new clients that way as opposed to working in collaboration. Mm-hmm. But there's a service element to that piece that has me like doing more right now with this group than I would have even
1: six months ago. Mm. If you didn't have access to that resource, if you were to have to hire the venue to do your healing work, what's the cost of that versus the time and energy you're currently volunteering?
0: Right now, the cost of hiring a venue would be astronomically higher than the time spent, even if I put it at my billable hour rate, because the cost of of available venues during a pandemic that are appropriate <laughs> for <laughs> energy healing is pretty high. <laughs> right. Okay. So yeah. So in, in that aspect, which is one of those things with the balance. Now, do I have to volunteer all of my time for con- our extracurricular activities? No, I could just be like, I'm here to hold the container. And this is what I have this, this space and time to do. That is me being really clear on my boundaries in relationship uh, to the work. And I have to get clearer on that. I'm I'm acknowledging that. (laughs) I'm I'm giving it. People are used to me giving it. Have they become dependent on it? And who's asking me to do it? No one,
1: you know. So what am I asking myself? And it's interesting because in these situations, it's not just about the boundaries. Mm -hmm. It's about, well, if you put those boundaries in place, what would you lose? I'm actually coming up
0: with, it right now, nothing other than pull on my time, or it, which, which results in a bit of distraction.
1: Okay. Because it's usually, it's feeding some kind of need. If people are overgiving, it's usually because that's meeting a need of theirs.
0: So an old me would want the people to either like me or for me to feel worthy new me doesn't need that sense of worthiness, which is also why I'm not afraid to put up the boundaries. I just need to be clear. Where is it a waste of my time? And where is this actually true service? Like, I see the desire to want to be able to help people in the world and get them into this line of work and potentially expose myself to new clients. Right. But but I'm not actually motivated to do these front end because based on a need for new clients myself, I have no problem finding new
1: clients on my own. If you were to focus on one or two things and focus all your creativity there, what would happen instead? How could you be more innovative in the way that you run your law firm? I'm not asking Mm -hmm. to answer that question right now. But but that, that this is the interesting thing is that when people are spreading themselves too thin, it's often they feel, oh, well, this one container, this one business isn't going to meet what I need. Yet, mm-hmm. actually, there's usually so many ways that those needs can be met within that container. Right. Well, if I, in my
0: super ideal world, I would just be a thought leader. Um, doing energy work on an international scale and a spiritual guide on an international scale and actually let go of the law office as far as doing things, staying an educational thought leader in that area would be like, and, and helping people have the real realization that they should do that work. But like my work would literally feed somebody else's law office, but I would somehow make the living I need to make. <laughs> to live the standard of life I want to live by purely being the thought leader in the education piece of it, like energetically, as far as creative, like me presenting, me getting out there, me writing, me podcasting, me that kind of production of the creative content is uh, probably my favorite part of all of what I do.
1: Okay. (laughs) That is is where I would focus Mm -hmm. your creativity of course it's good to serve but not when it's to your own detriment and right now it's to your own detriment Mm -hmm. and that i think that's one of the hardest things for caring people (laughs) to to often identify because it's often it's gone beyond it's like oh and then you know i'm exhausted and not seeing sooner okay wait Mm -hmm. a minute this is, this is heading in the wrong direction. <laughs> this has gone from service to overgiving because from the sound of it, would you not be serving in a much, much bigger way by achieving the vision you just outlined?
0: Ultimately? Yes. Yeah. Because I would be reaching more people and moving them ahead. Maybe I wouldn't be the doer of the thing, but I would be reaching so many people to get them to then go to the doers. Yeah. And everybody is served.
1: I think what would be very interesting for you would be to make a list of all the tasks and activities that you do in that volunteer role and literally look at each one, meditate, get make sure you're in the right space and literally look at each one and check in. Is it best that I continue to do this at this time? Mm-hmm. And just ask that question. And see what's left, and there you have your boundaries. You're clear, mm-hmm. and then it's just a question of actually communicating those, and sticking and sticking with them. Definitely, wow. I feel really good about
0: being clear about the whole piece about innovation. It's actually from the very beginning, and I never—I was totally blind to that. Actually, from the very beginning of being involved in this nonprofit, it was about innovation. Like, how do we actually create a legal container that supports this type of work? Because traditionally, I don't want to make a stereotype, but people that are light workers and energy dealers are extremely disorganized. But I'm like, what if we were super organized? Like, what could we
1: do? <laughs> right? So question for you, how valuable would the process that you've brought these people through in creating that container how valuable would that be to people in other geographical areas who would benefit from doing that?
0: Possibly high, because there's actually not a lot of people specialized in essentially what is called church law. Like we're not a church, we're not, we're, but we're using the container, the 501c34, and then with the separation of church and state, it's a wonderful container for people that are doing things in the metaphysical realm for work. And because it offers a lot of protections, both on the tax and the liability side for that work, you're a minister, you also then get access, you can marry people, you can enter prisons, you can go to hospitals, there's so many things you can do that you can't do with not being a minister. And you can't do by giving $7 to the Universal Life Church. <laughs> you, know, you can marry people with that $7, but you can't do the rest of it. And it, you, there's no like insurance that gives two bits that, that you're doing that. If you had a church and people were ministers, no matter what it is that you're doing, that's recognized federally. And it gives people a lot of ability to... To do things. Yeah. I never actually thought about selling it as, a, in some ways, a product, but it,
1: it, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> I think that's something that could be very valuable. It brings together, you know, your project management, your legal background, your metaphysical, philosophical background and healing and everything mm-hmm. all in one place. In you helping healers, then you're actually helping all the people that they then get to heal because they have mm-hmm. a better container within which to work. Yeah, very good point. Is it possible that that's something could that could form part of your thought leadership?
0: Possibly. If I was thought leading in that area, or essentially as a product or as a concept that I was promoting. Well, you uh, know, an when
1: you've got a staff member who can do the legal side of things in your business... Then you can sell the concept of this, and then they get to do the actual work, so you get to do the bits that have you in flow
0: right. me staying in flow is serving another lawyer doing the like the the legal paperwork, which I hate
1: exactly. I'm a lawyer
0: who hates paperwork, <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> a little part of me dies inside when I'm checking boxes <laughs>
1: so, and it and it was so interesting. You'd said all this stuff, and like from conversations that we've had, I was like, Angel, she's very creative, she's a people person. You know, you're talking about project management, and I'm like, that's in the Southwest corner. The best project managers, Southwest corner, they're grounded, detail focused, and analytical. Okay, so they're at the cusp (laughs) of of both of those two things. And I'm like, really? Project management? 12 years? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and it's interesting because when you're somebody who loves to learn and particularly as you were saying you're achievement focused but then you realize mm-hmm. actually you know probably because you probably got bored because there was nothing new to learn and you weren't getting what you needed you don't get to experiment with project management there's a set way of doing things and they need to be followed it's about compliance Mm -hmm. and yeah there's probably a little bit of innovation and a little bit of variety when you go from one project to another to another you're learning and you're meeting a new group of people you're learning about a new area of the organization or something like that so you know those kinds of things probably kept you ticking over and I think it would be interesting to see which profile you are because I think that would really help you to figure out the best business model for you Because maybe there's a way for you to have one business. You're focusing on one thing, but but you've created that synergy where um, you're able to be that thought leader. You're able to be innovative, but you're focusing on one thing. And within that one thing, you get to innovate. You get to have the variety. You get to experiment. You get to have fun. You get to be in flow. And you get to be highly profitable. That would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, cause like, it's not like you haven't done well with where you've got so far. You have a business that is profitable. You are making money. I think going forward in, in how you do that and what that's going to look like, that, that can be the difference, I think, between incremental growth or possible stagnation and actually being right. able to fly. Right. Because the point you're at right now is where a lot of business owners get stuck.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I definitely feel like I'm at this precipice. And so I'm like, okay, which new cliff of trust am I going to jump
1: off of? And it's it's really interesting because the one thing that you'd said to me was that you didn't enjoy marketing, yet you also have said you have no problem enrolling clients. Talk to me a bit more about that.
0: I love engaging with people and having a heart-to-heart conversation and relationship and seeing them connect the dots to do something they actually desire to do. And if I can see what that is, I can move people forward on what they want to do. It doesn't feel like what I traditionally call marketing when I'm in that education service-based mode of problem solving. I'm really actually helping them help themselves. When I say I don't like marketing, it's like thinking about Google ads. And I love knowing what the metrics are, and knowing what I'm doing is working. But I don't want to actually even set up the strategy. Like, I want to tell somebody the idea of who I want to serve. And then I want them to tell me who my ideal client is and build the funnel that's reaching those people. And then I just am in front of a camera saying the thing and then it goes to the place and they click. And then they're in front of yeah. me. Like, that's mm-hmm. like... <laughs> <but> all <laughs> the steps to get them in front of me, yuck. Like, I... <laughs> And then somebody in a monthly meeting tell me what my metrics are so we can be like nope pivot. Let's that's that's not working. Let's do something different. And I'm happy to create the content to make the something different. But again, I don't want to be anywhere in the actual doing of the touching of the making of the of the things.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's so that's the part I don't like. People have no idea how much admin is involved in marketing. So much. <laughs>
0: So much. I I was a project manager in a marketing department for Mm. for years. I did special projects for the president and then I moved over to marketing. And it's always pains me why marketing folks are like, oh, we hate project managers. We don't need it. We just need creatives. I'm like, no, you do need project managers because there's so much admin.
1: Yes. And that's the part I don't like about marketing is so much admin. (laughs) (laughs) Here's one way I'd love you to think about this. Number one, get your business model and business strategy nailed. Then you can look at the marketing strategy, and from the marketing strategy, then the tactics come out. I mean there's one hundred one ways to market. There's so many different things you can do. But you can focus that down. I, I always recommend for a business of your size, I recommend you have three methods of lead generation. okay you you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. And so we would look at, well, what is it that has you in flow? What are the things that happen? naturally organically for you and then when you're ready to scale up then yes you may wish to have paid advertising as a part of that you don't have to there are other ways that you can do that it's one that often people kind of go to straight away but there's there's other strategies and it's that key of getting the link between what works for you and I think in in terms of you growing your team what's clear is that whether that's Another team member, or you're outsourcing some done for you stuff, it's mm-hmm. definitely about working with that. But when you come from a strategic place first, it just makes I mean, it, it doesn't guarantee that the tactics are going to work 100% first time, mm-hmm. but you are way, way, way more likely to have that happen. What's your thoughts on that?
0: No, that makes. Perfect sense, and I—I don't know how many times I've coached people on that. It's like you have to have the vision and be clear of where you're going for you to get there at all. Like, but if you're not clear, you're going to go in circles or go the wrong way and and waste a lot of time, right? And so the clarity, and then once you have the clarity, then you want to plan, and that's your strategy, and then you get into the details. Well, so it's
1: yeah. I mean, and actually, the way I see it is, and, and this is the thing, as the business owner you need to be involved a step or two more than you think. Because you were saying, oh, I just want to give you my vision and then you tell me my ideal clients. you tell me this, that and the other. My view would actually be, well, you need to be involved in some of that. But it can still be at a high level, okay? It doesn't have to involve doing, but I, I believe that you need to make certain decisions on this because you're the business owner. And then... You can come to, okay, well, this is the strategy. Now we put a plan together that has the actual activities in it.
0: Right. So I get, yeah, when I'm thinking about like like the ideal client, for example, like if someone just says, tell me what your ideal client is, I'm like uh, looking at a blank ball. But if they ask me a series of questions, they're going to get that description. Exactly. So I need the person that knows to ask me the right questions so I can describe to them and then they'll do it up and, and here's your avatar, right? So, (laughs) based on. And it's more than
1: an avatar because you've got to, you, you watched the five steps video as well, didn't you? Yeah. The first step is the foundations and talking about hot buttons and your market dominating position. So the thing is, is that you can't really get to well, what is my market-dominating position? Why would somebody work with me instead of somebody else who offers the same or alternative solution to their problem or aspiration? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really get to that without really having honed in, I think in a much deeper way than many people do, on your ideal customer and their hot buttons. A lot of the time, it just, things don't have people awake at night, <laughs> but they are a concern or they are something that they care about. You know, it's getting clear on those hot buttons. There's a whole process in going through this to actually really have that clarity on who your ideal client is, what the hot buttons are and what you are doing and what you could do in order to be able to hit and solve Those hot buttons, and then that needs to be articulated in a way that people who are external to you can understand. Because there's your internal reality that you, your team members, and your existing and past clients have. So they've had that experience of you and your brand, but that's often so different (laughs) to the external perception. Mm -hmm. And what you actually want is to have those two things in alignment. And that often requires... It's really important to have, to have both emotion... And I know you'll, like, you'll love this because this is very much the way you've talked. But you have to have both emotion and logic in your marketing messages. You know, both of those things need to be there. And quite often, people tend to go to one extreme or the other. And it's like, actually, no, <laughs> they both need to be here, but not platitudes. The platitudes make you sound and look like everybody else. They've got to be super specific. That that's where the beauty is in this. Yeah, it's a really good point.
0: Yeah, that a purchase decision is both emotional and logical. There has to be a good logical reason, but it's motivated by Mm -hmm. some emoting.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And so it's that thing about there's a what we call the conversion equation where you interrupt, engage, educate. And then you make your offer or some kind of ask them to do, to take Mm -hmm. a step, whether that's a purchase or a different kind of step. And a lot of the time, even, you know, when I've kind of gone through some of this stuff, like I work with a lot of creative people, and many of those creative people are in creative services. And the amount of times when we've gone through these steps, gone through this process, they either weren't taught this stuff or they were taught it but at a very high conceptual level not in a way that actually made it real and so then they ended up Mm -hmm. not doing it. I have a business degree and I did advanced marketing qualification and things and the the stuff that I do now with clients was never taught on either of those things. There's a lot of people teaching and doing marketing that actually doesn't work for small businesses it works for large businesses, big corporates with big budgets where they right. are after brand awareness. What works for them is not what works for a small business. Right. When you, you know, say part. you don't like marketing, that's not actually true. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. It's, it, there's an aspect of it I definitely do like. There's just certain, I, I think I don't, I don't like admit admin, really. Exactly.
1: Me neither. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally get it. And so hopefully that That will help to shift your mindset around this so that you can structure things and work with the right people to help you to achieve your vision. I I do just want to say, though, I loved your description of estate planning. I've never heard Mm. it described in those terms before. And I totally get where you're coming from with the abundance and the law together because that is such a different feeling from oh, I should have a will I have to have a will I don't have a will I need to get a will to oh wow I can put some things in place to help me achieve my goals That it feels right. so different and actually do you know what just occurred to me that's actually how I feel about business planning because most <clears throat> creative people they're like oh I know I should have a plan, but I don't. It's in my head. I know what I'm doing and how I feel yeah. about the 90-day planning that I do with my clients. I do it, do it myself. That was something I totally resisted when I first set up a business because I set up in business as a life coach first. Made mm-hmm. a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but for me, I see 90-day planning as freeing you up to focus on, because if you do it the right way, if it comes from where you've got the business strategy in place, you understand what has you in flow, then you can put together a 90 day plan where you end up with, like typically people have like two pages of these are the actions I'm taking over the next 90 days. And there's like one to three things every week that you're looking at, and that these are the things that are growing your business. And done in the right way, it's not on top of your business. It actually is including your whole business. So there's a part of it that's looking at your day-to-day and there's a part of it that's looking at the business building aspect of it, the business growth part. And so for me, what I found is that when first doing this, it's often something that my more creative clients resist. But when they get into it and they actually experience doing it and having it in place... They're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I wake up every Monday morning. I know exactly what I'm focusing on this week. And everything from it is in alignment. And that's, that's really freeing. Right. That, that's an abundant feeling, especially when you're doing things and then you, you really start to see the results coming in from that as well. Yeah.
0: Well, you've nailed it. If you look at creation, biologically, there's a container always right? Why would it not be the same when we, biological beings, are creating tangible or intangible things, but a business is a creation, right? So where are our containers?
1: Um, Yes, fantastic. Well, Angel, I think we could talk all day about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And we definitely need to talk again. Before we wrap up, I'd love to understand what's been most significant for you in what we've talked about here today.
0: I think in in part, just nailing in some ways, what is driving me in in some of the work that I've done. And then where is my true motivation? Why do I like doing the things that I, I am doing? And why is it that okay, my ideal situation is being a thought leader? Well, it's ultimately because I'm
1: motivated by that innovative piece. It's huge to have that realization. Fantastic. Angel, where can people find you?
0: They can find me through my websites It's best. You can book a call with me for with either of them. And I, I would love to chat with you about any questions you have. And so you can find me at LateralLaw.com or AngelLateral.com.
1: Fabulous. So we'll make sure those links are in the show notes as well. Angel, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Please do reach out to Angel, reach out to myself. We'd love to have your thoughts on what you've heard here today. And I look forward to speaking with you next time. Bye for now. That's all for today, folks. Have you subscribed to get more of this juicy goodness for your business? If not, tap that button now. Remember to check the description for links mentioned in this episode. Did you enjoy and find value in this free broadcast? I want you to know that I go so much deeper into the topics discussed with coaching and workshops based on my impact-driven growth model. Want to know how I can help you to double your profits without spending a penny more on marketing or ads? Let's arrange to hop on a call to discuss your goals and challenges, and I'll show you how. Plus, when you book, I'll send you some free training videos too. Go book now at creatorflow.tv forward slash call with Una. That's creatorflow.tv forward slash call with Una.